Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Some things are worth fighting for. In Matthew's Gospel in chapter 6, Jesus reminds us to seek first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness and everything else will be given unto us. In 2006-2007, California won their first National Hockey League championship. The Stanley Cup came to California with the Anaheim Ducks. That was also the first time the Stanley Cup was brought home by a hometown hero, Joe DePenta, to Nova Scotia. Joe is my guest today. I know you're going to enjoy his personal story of growing up Catholic and finally giving Jesus a fighting chance. Enjoy the conversation. Lift off and the clock has started. The first talk theme for anybody who's done the Alpha course, is a good one. It asks the question, is there more to life than this? One of the people that I often get to give that talk is Joe DePenta. And so, Joe, as, I, as we start this podcast together, first I want to say welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks a lot, Ron. It's great to be here. Great to see you. It's been a while, so it's good to see your face. It's true. COVID hasn't been good for our, our social interactions, has it? It's kind of kept us apart, so it's nice to connect. What does that question mean to you? I mean, it re- I think it frames up so much of your story, and I'd love to unpack your story. As a Stanley Cup champion with the Anaheim Mighty Ducks, you know, I, I think in Canada particularly, so many of us love our sport of ice hockey, and just every time we play ball hockey outside on the street growing up, we always... Pretend we're certain NHL hockey players, and so a lot of people look up to athletes like yourself. But for, to win the Stanley Cup is amazing, and and I think this this question of is there more to life than this is so relevant. And so, how how would you unpack that? That is my favorite talk at Alpha, and I've given it multiple times. When I was asked to give it, I, I really didn't know what I was going to add to it. It was already such a great talk that I had heard in the Alpha videos, but when I started to write the talk myself, I realized I had such a, a wonderful platform to share with people because I had the perspective and the experience of winning the Stanley Cup. That was my dream. That is so many ch- child's dreams here in Canada and around the world, and I got to lift the Stanley Cup above my head for six seconds and feel what that was like. But the cool part of having that experience, which is an amazing experience, and I'm so lucky to have accomplished that and to achieve that. But the cool part is that I can say it doesn't hold a candle to having a relationship with Jesus. Mm. And that is the coolest part of, of my story is that I got to achieve this amazing thing. But at the end of the day, my relationship with Jesus is, is, is way more vibrant, way more fulfilling than anything that I've experienced as a professional athlete. And so mm. that's, that's the, that's the beauty of what God had blessed me with on that day when I was able to lift that Stanley cup, everyone asked me, what is it like to lift up that Stanley cup? 
And it is, it's like an out-of-body experience. It felt like I was on top of my life journey, what I had worked for since I was a kid. I could think of all of the people that helped me get to that place in that moment, all of those supporters, my parents, my coaches, people in my community, my grandparents, my sisters, all of the people that were behind me to get me to that, to that moment. And, and it, was, it was amazing. But at the end of the day, I know that, that, that Jesus opening and closing doors in my life had, had led me to that moment and he was my biggest supporter. And so that's, that's what makes that, that, that moment so powerful is, is it for so many different reasons, but I always share that in the alpha talk is more to life <laughs> than this. And that's what it, that's, that's why God, you know, God's given me that amazing platform to do that specific talk. Did you always feel that way, Joe? Did you always grow up having a, a, a that awareness of God's work in your life and appreciation for your relationship with Christ? Tell us a little bit about that. So when I grew up, I was Catholic, going to Mass every every Sunday, typically, up until I was a teenager. And then during my teenage years, I had a lot of games on the weekends, a lot of practices on, that would fall into a Sunday or games that we'd have to travel. And faith quickly took a backseat. I began to focus on you know, my, my hockey, my goal was to, to make the NHL. So that was, that was where I was focused. And, and I have to say, like, when I went to church, it, it felt good. But after I left church, it didn't really have a lot of impact in my life. I didn't know what it was like to have a relationship with Jesus or with God. And I remember the first friend of mine who was also in the same parish that I was, she asked me, she said, you know, the Bible says that we should have a relationship with God and that's how we get into heaven. And I just thought she was the weirdest person in the world. I was like, what, what you have a relationship? Like, what does that mean? Yeah. And I just, she just threw me off that with that question. And she challenged me in a way that I'd never been challenged before in, in my faith journey up until that point. Cause I was satisfied with believing that as long as you're a good person, that God would let you into heaven. That was, that's what I believed. And, and, and it meant I didn't have to change if I believed that. So let's just keep believing that. And then when she asked me that question, I didn't like it. I didn't like the question and I didn't like my answer either. And that really bothered me and it left a mark. And I bet I've had thousands of conversations in my life, but that one specific conversation, I always remembered. And I, I went on thinking about that and pondering what what that meant because i i wanted to go to heaven i wanted mm. i wanted to have i wanted to have a stronger faith but i just like everything if it didn't fit into the box or what i was what i was living in at the moment i just kind of pushed it aside and said no i'll worry about that another day and i just went on believing that as if i achieve these successes i'll be happy and you know one was making it to the nhl signing my first contract well i did that the next one was, you know, getting my first NHL goal. If I score my first NHL goal, my life will be set. Everyone's going to be talking about me in my hometown and I'll be famous where I live. And that'll be just so cool. Well, I scored my first NHL goal. And then it was, well, when I get married, that, that'll be the next, the next step of happiness. And, and then one day, if I ever win the Stanley Cup, my life will be set. Well, I got to do that too. And I have to say, after all those milestones, 
I just ended back at the same place that I had that I had been before, which was the same state of happiness. And they were all great things. I'm happy that I was able to achieve them all. But at the end of the day, there was there was something missing for my life. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew that there was a hole there that these material things and and these accolades that it could never fill. Mm-hmm. And you know, at one point I I, I, I had to, I had to look at my faith in a new light and, and, and I, I was, I'm very blessed that I, that God put people in my path to, to help me on that journey. I was going to ask you, like, is that something you did on your own or, or, you know, how did, how did you start? Like, cause again, I, I know my son's a hockey player and boy, when you're a professional athlete, in some ways your life's not your own because they're just so the schedule is so intense and eating and training and practicing and showing up at places within particular times. And for him, of course, he was going to school at the same time. So it's different for you once you get out of school. So I'm sure that wasn't the same that way, but I guess my point is life is busy. And so at what point did you start exploring that in a different way? And and what did that look like? When I, was playing professional hockey in two thousand in the year two thousand. I played my first professional hockey season, and I, I went to a team called the Philadelphia Flyers, and their farm team was the Philadelphia Phantoms. In that season, I started off the year. I, I was not a, a, a fighter. Leaving uh, university, and I played one year of major junior hockey. The only fight I was in in the entire season the next day in the paper in Halifax, it said those hands weren't made for fighting. And it was a picture of me in a very embarrassing moment for a 20 year old kid mm-hmm. uh, to be, to be on the front page of the sports section. And, and I really struggled the rest of the year because I, I was, I was afraid of getting into another fight given that I, it, it caused such a, 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 the paper covered it in such a light that it made me just feel really insecure. Mm-hmm. And so God knew Although I didn't know God wasn't in my life at the time, looking back, God was in it because he put me on the toughest team in the NHL, which was the Philadelphia Flyers. And their whole mantra was fighting. And that was part of their culture and their core values. And so I remember playing that start of that year. And I stuck out like a sore thumb because I was the only guy in the team that really wasn't looking to get into fights. And I I remember one day, uh, a great story about my mom. I, I was, my mom came to visit me in Philadelphia and she, she, I was three months into the season and I, it season wasn't going well for me. And she, she said, you know, how are you doing? And I'm not doing so well, mom, you know, I, they, they want me to fight and they want me to do this. And I thought that my mom was going to have my back and just tell me, you know, you know, Joey, you just come home with me and everything will be okay. And, and, you know, after the season's over, don't worry about these, these guys here. And, but you know what she told me? She said, well, I guess you better start fighting then. And that was what I needed to hear. And at that moment, uh, I realized that my mom was now telling me I needed to learn how to fight in the game of hockey. And, and because hockey, that's part of the game. You have to learn how to fight. And so at that moment, I made a decision that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this and I'm going to overcome this fear I had. And sure enough, I did. It, a couple of games later, there was an opportunity and there, one of the other guys, the tougher guys in the other team was picking on a skilled forward that we had from, from Czechoslovakia. He didn't know how to fight. And I walked over, I skated over to him. Next thing you know, I was on top of him on the ice and the whole entire bench was standing up cheering for me. And I realized that I had overcome something huge in my life. 
<laughs> but I, but what that, that, that season, why I mentioned that is I, I stuck out like a sore thumb and I wanted nothing more at that stage in my life to be accepted by all of those guys in the team. Mm-hmm. And for me, that moment was significant because it, it allowed me to feel like I fit in and then it became like a drug. I just wanted to fit in with everything they were doing. Right. And so I, over the, over that year, I started to do all of the things that they were doing, which was going up to the bars and, and womanizing and just the things that I didn't, didn't leave me feeling good, mm. but it, but it became like an acceptance and I was 21 years old and there were some guys in the team that were 36 years old. It's a big difference. These were, they had, they had families and mm. it's just a wide, wide range of ages. And I just wanted to be, I wanted to fit in more than anything. And then it was in my second season that following year that there was a guy that came to our team out of the blue. I'd never heard of him. And he showed up at the start of training camp and we got to talking and you get to know some of the guys that are there and their stories. And when we would invite him to come out and, and to drink or to go out and do all those things that we were doing, he would just say, no, I'm good. And don't worry about me. I'll be fine. And we were like, this guy's weird. Like, what's this deal? And he, he told us it was because he was a Christian. And, and I remember my first thought when he told me he was a Christian, and that's why he didn't do all these other things, because we really grilled him. Like, well, why, why not? And you're, you're new here. Like, you should be trying to fit in, don't you think? And he just didn't care about fitting in with us. <laughs> he had the guts to be himself. And that really bothered me. I remember thinking, well, why do you need to tell us that you're a Christian? And why does it mean you can't do these other things? And that's the part that got me the most was he, he, he had the guts to be himself. And, and faith was his compass and fitting in was mine. Wow. And so he convicted me of what I felt like I was doing wrong. And, but I watched him like a hawk. I, just, I, I wanted to find the flaw in this guy to find out what made him tick. But the more I looked at him, the more I saw somebody who said peace, joy, and the respect of the entire team. By the end of the year, he had the respect of everybody on the team because everybody knew that it took guts to stand up and be yourself. And they all respected him. And he played hard. He wasn't a, he, he, he played like, I think he had like four concussions on the year. He just, he would run guys over and like, he, he just played so hard nose. I just, he just had the respect of everybody and he was a Christian. And so he had an impact in my life. He, he told me that about his faith and he, I realized after watching him and, and he witnessed to me through the way he lived his life, that he had a different type of faith. And that just because I went to Sunday school as a kid and I would go to church at Christmas, it didn't mean that I was a Christian. This, this guy had something that was different. And I was, I was attracted to that because he, the way he, the things he, he had in his life, what I saw of him, I, I thought, wow, this guy's got it all together. And he treats people with respect. Um, people respect him. And he just seemed to have everything together. And it was clear that it was a faith that was the, the link. That was the missing link that I didn't have. So I, I started to pursue and explore my faith after, the, after meeting him. Hmm. Wow, what a neat story. And what what a great um testament to to how we behave and how we act. I would have said as you tell your story, Joe, when I was younger, that 
that was my compass too, was fitting in. And I too did a lot of things that I thought would make me happy and help me to fit in that left me feeling empty. And, and, and I, and, and in my heart, I knew that it wasn't right and it wasn't good, but somehow, again, I think I was listening <laughs> to the wrong things and it's totally on me, but um, yeah, I can relate. Thanks for sharing that. So as you began to, to, to look at things differently, where did you turn? So he impacted you, but where did you turn? I turned initially back to my life that I felt if I could achieve making the NHL or scoring my first NHL goal or playing a full NHL season, I turned back to those as my source of happiness again. Okay. Cause I, I, cause I didn't understand how to make the leap to where he was at. And, and it seemed really weird to me to be, to make your faith such an important part of your life. I didn't have anyone else in my life that really put their faith as number one. Right. And he did. And to me, that was odd prior to, to prioritize faith over everything else. I mean, we're, we're pro hockey players. You have a chance to make the NHL. Why wouldn't you make the NHL your priority? So for me, as much as he kind of got me to shift, I wasn't ready to make the leap to, to become, to make God more important than my hockey career. So what happened was, is I, I put that as my focus. I played another three seasons. I won the, uh, I was on a team in the following season that won the uh, championship for the American hockey league. So that was an amazing accolade. And I started to see other people get called up to the NHL and I was passed over continuously. I ended up getting three NHL games in a few years, seasons after that. I got my first NHL goal. Again, those moments have faded. And then I felt like I was still back in the same state uh, that I was before. I ended up into um, my, I I said I was going to play one final year in the American Hockey League. And then I was going to call it a a career if I didn't get get a chance. And that was my fifth American Hockey League season. And almost all the, through the end of the year, I, I just, I would continue to try to fit in with the guys. I still prioritize. I was starting to attend chapel, hockey ministries chapel on, on the, the team. So I was around some other Christians and I, we were talking about faith more regularly, but I was still living a life that wasn't making me feel very good. Uh, I, I, I was unhappy with where I was at in my life. I felt like I kind of hit a, a breaking point. Like, mm. and I thought, you know what? I can't keep doing this my way or this way that I'd chosen. And there has to be a better way. And it was thinking of guys like that I played with my second season. It was a Christian and other Christian guys that just seemed to have their priorities together. I said, I'm going to try this Jesus thing out. I'm going to see what this, I'm going to give it a try, see what it's like. I remember being before a game, getting ready to go on the ice. And I was, I would always stand off to, to the side getting just focused before I would hit the ice. And I just had this moment of just like, I just felt sad and I didn't want, I didn't want to continue on this way. And I prayed for Jesus. I said, Jesus, help me. If you're real, I believe you're real. Help me come into my heart. I believe in you. Forgive me of what I've done in my life. And, and I'm going to follow you. And the rest of the season, I'd never played better. That was the, I had played my best hockey from that point on. And that was March. And six months later, I was in the NHL, my first NHL season. God, there's a whole God moved things around. 
and and I was in the NHL, and that's that's when I made God my priority, Jesus my priority, everything else fell into place. See, now I wish I wish I would have heard this like thirty five years ago because when I was playing house league, if I would have gave my life to Christ right there, I could have played in the NHL. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I was a heck of a host league player, Joe. You'd have been proud of me. <laughs> that that is beautiful. It sounds to me like that that moment of surrender, that moment of realizing I've done everything I thought I was supposed to do, and I'm still not where I I'm not I don't have peace. And it sounds like that was that moment that that moment of surrender where you had peace, it didn't change what you were doing for a living. You were still doing what you were doing, but all of a sudden it sounds like you were able to do it at a whole different level. You know, God, you know, God yeah, is our biggest. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. When I, when I put Jesus in as my priority, everything else fell into place. Like he knows, he knew it was on my heart. He knew I wanted to make the NHL. So what did he do? I had finished the rest of the season out. I was, on the golf course, I remember at Heartland Point, which is about 15 minutes from here outside of Halifax, with my father. You know, my father was always the, the person that I went to to make big decisions. My parents, mm-hmm. both my parents, but my mom was much more on the emotional side of decisions. And dad was very logical and stoic through really stressful situations. And he would always give me really good advice. And so I was on the golf course. It was June 30th, the day before free agency. And I had the team that owned my rights, had my rights for another 12 hours. And I hadn't heard anything from them. I knew that they thought I had a good season, but they didn't call my agent. And they, then all of a sudden I'm on the golf course day before the free agency, the next day, where I'll be a free agent. My, my agent calls me and he goes, Joe, the Vancouver Canucks, they went to offer you a two-year contract but it's a two-way contract. They really like you. You might get some games up, but chances are you'll probably play the next two years in the American Hockey League. I mean, I was happy. I never had more than one team every summer that wanted to sign me. So the fact that I had anybody calling me was, was typically that was like, great, send the contract and I'm going to sign it. Yeah. But they waited to the very last minute on purpose to put a gun to my head to take a two-year contract when they it was in my best interest to do a one-year contract just in right. case it didn't work out. I wasn't stuck. And because I was getting older and that was my window was getting really, really tight. So I remember playing golf with my dad, another couple of holes. And my dad looked at me and he said, you know what, call your agent back and tell him to go pound sand. <laughs> he said, <laughs> he actually used it much more. He said it a little more. Uh, yeah, and, 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 and I didn't want to say that what he actually said. And so I, so I, I said, you know what? You're right. They waited a last minute and I'm just going to take my chances. And that was a leap of faith for me to do that. Mm-hmm. But it seemed really clear at the time that that made sense. Even though I never had more than one NHL team ever call me during the summer to sign, I felt, you know what? I'll, I'll, we'll give it, I'll roll the dice. What do I got to lose? And I, it took a, took some faith, but I called my agent back and I politely said, no, I will turn the contract down, hoping that they would call me again if I got stuck. But they made it clear that if I didn't sign this contract, they weren't going to give me another one. But I thought, well, maybe maybe they would change their minds a month from now. And so I was very polite about it. And then um, two days later, I find out that my coach from the year of season before that really liked me and I had a really good season with became the new head coach for the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. 
So I thought, well, good for him. And then two days later, my phone rang and said, you know what? Randy really loves you. You should sign here. And it was the Anaheim Ducks, Mighty Ducks calling me. And so if I had taken that contract that from the, from the Vancouver Canucks, which was, would have been a, a great team to sign with. And mm-hmm. if I had taken that, I never would have made the NHL. I don't think I would have been strong enough to crack the lineup. And I don't think that I, well, then I would never have won the Stanley Cup. So Jesus knew how to move all the pieces around. And I tell everyone this. I, tell, I told people when I was playing in the NHL that I wouldn't be on any other NHL team other than this one. I wouldn't have made any other team. I was at the right place, the right time, and Jesus moved pieces around. He says, listen, you put me first, and I'm going to show you that anything in your life is possible. I'll make your wildest dreams come true. And that's what Jesus, that's what Jesus did. The, the odds of all of this, the way it went down, is just nothing I had any control over. I just, he had, he made it all the situations happen. He made it so that I was on the golf course with my dad to help me make that decision. The, the fact that they called me at that time of the day with my dad, who was right there, and I had this window to make that opportunity, all of it was orchestrated. And then two seasons later, I would lift in the Stanley Cup above my head. So that's that's what Jesus does when we make him a priority in our life. He gives us the desires of our heart. Yes. And when we follow and we prioritize, make our faith most important, everything falls into place. And, and I can say that there is nothing like the feeling of doing something for Jesus. It's way, way more powerful and way more fulfilling and way more lasting than lifting the Stanley Cup above your head. When you mm-hmm. can do something for Jesus and you can honor and give witness or do something that you know that you have to follow and take a leap of faith to do it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you know, you've impacted and helped somebody in that process. That is, there's no better feeling than that. And that's, that's the ultimate feeling of, of worshiping and honoring the God that loves us and that it's given us this life in abundance. That's what, that's what this life's all about. Amen. Amen. I, some people, a lot of our listeners, of course, would know that, um, that Father James Milan was the author of Divine Renovation. And, uh, but hopefully a lot of people will listen to this just because you're on the show, Joe, because they're hockey fans and they love hockey and Stanley Cups and champions like yourself. And so I'm hoping that's the case. Um, but that's where, you know, we got to know each other, uh, you know, through my mom actually introduced us, didn't she, or, or yeah. suggested that we, we connect, but then we, you know, you came to St. Benedict Parish and, and that's how we started to connect. So why don't you tell us, uh, the listeners a little bit about that? Like, what were some of the things that really got you connected to God again, particularly through the, the church specifically, because I think you were more settled by the time, you know, you're married, moved home and all that stuff. Sure. So I was uh, retired from playing and I was moved back here and I couldn't find a faith home that really made sense for me at the time. Well, I was church hopping. I actually was planning on going to a church and I got the times wrong and I ended up and I knew that there was another service up the road. And so I ended up going up the road and sitting at the back of the church with uh, with my wife and my daughter and sat at the very back kind of didn't want to get be noticed because I wasn't sure if it was going to be our faith home and I didn't think it would be and I was sitting back at the back of the church and at the very end of of mass your mom Patricia got up and she and I didn't know I didn't know her at the time and she gave a she gave a 
um, uh, a speech to the audience and said that she was doing this healing counseling and helping people that were just feeling like they were lost or didn't know where, just needed some help. And it was all Catholic, Christian-based. And I was going through this tough time in my in my life that I lost my identity, given up this my, my identity when I left the NHL, left playing, playing hockey and professionally. To me, I didn't know who I was anymore. And and I know that sounds like I was a I'm a child of God, and that's but but I can I I, I knew that in my head, but I just felt like I I don't know it was a very tough time for me, and I, and I didn't and I think a lot of it too is I didn't realize I was having such a hard time and dealing with this I was in a depression and I, I didn't know how to get myself out of it, and so her she spoke to me it really resonated with me I felt like. I was the person at the back of the, of the church lost and she, we were able to connect just through what she was speaking. I felt like she was talking directly to me. So afterwards I had the courage to go up to her and just say, hi, I'll take one of your cards. And I took her card and then I followed up with her and then we met and she said, you know what, right away after we met, she says, you need to talk to my son, Ron, he's over at a church and, when I was telling her about like, I didn't have a faith home and then I, I didn't feel like I could grow at any of the, the churches I was in. And then I was, that I wanted to grow my faith. Well, she right away said, you need to talk to Ron. He, he works with men that, that, that want to grow. And I think you'd really connect well. And so that's, I remember she connected us and gave me, I emailed you and then we, we got connected at the men's group which you were running over at St. Benedict. And when I showed up, it was a very welcoming environment. And I right away, I felt like I fit in. And it was just a group of men that were all normal people, normal guys. And we were talking about faith and we all wanted to grow in our faith. And I got to hear this great, these great talks of people that were just like me, given a, given a talk and wanted to grow. And I instantly connected with them and you guys. And I kept hearing repeatedly, you need to take Alpha. You need to take Alpha. And guys were inviting me to Alpha. And I thought, okay, I heard of Alpha a long time ago, but kind of written it off. It seemed, but it, but it, but I eventually I said I couldn't say no anymore because so many people were inviting me to, to come and take Alpha. Eventually I was excited. I thought, oh, this will be great. And so I, I did and, and took Alpha. I remember taking Jessica, my wife, to come and she was not really excited to come. Uh, she was probably the, uh, would, truth be told, she was the opposite of being excited and coming. Um, and, <laughs> 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 and we uh, we came the first week, and yeah, I, I I loved it right away. I thought the talks were amazing, and the hospitality was was fantastic. And then the next week we come again, and Jessica was still it got less she was less abrasive each week i'd say after week three going into week four she was actually she was looking forward to it and we we then eventually she had you know into such such a powerful experience and you of course were our, were our host our table host and we yeah that was that was a really neat experience that alpha that was a game changer for sure and and that was my first experience with the holy spirit i had no idea that there was a 
what the Holy Spirit, who he was. I had no idea. Like it was a total game changer for, for me. And just, we had a, we had an amazing experience together. And that was, that was awesome. We still keep in touch with our folks from our table. This was four or five years ago. Right. So we still keep in touch. So it's really, really good. Great, great way to build relationships. I love that. And I guess for our listeners too, you know, and I, I think a lot of people will be inspired because they'll be able to relate to your story, Joe. Maybe not so much holding the Stanley Cup, but <laughs> maybe some other parts. <laughs> and uh, and Alpha really is a great place, isn't it? Because uh, it's just literally being run all over the world in all kinds of Catholic churches and, and non-Catholic churches. And it's a great way to, you know, if any of what Joe is sharing, just like, yeah, wait, you know, I don't get that either. And I'm open to it, but I just don't know how to get there. Wouldn't you say it's a great first step? Amazing. It's amazing. And it's just a very easy way and safe way to explore the faith mm. that you don't feel like, you don't, you know, if you're on the, if you're not sure what you believe, it's a perfect way to go and explore it. There's no pressure. You're not surrounded by, uh, I would say weird people. You're 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 able to go and experience and and explore your faith in, in a very safe and non-judgmental environment, and have conversations that are real that where you can challenge. Hey, this is what I think, or this is what the other person thinks, and and you'll have other people surrounding you that that are at the same place. God just seems to work in mysterious ways where He's able to bring people together. For instance. At our table, my wife uh, lost her father at the age of 18 in a tragic car accident. And we were sitting in a group, I think it was her third session together. And the one person in our group shared, you know, my my sister died at, at a young age and that really had a tough, that was really tough for me. I was only a teenager when she died and it was a really difficult experience for me. So he was sharing that first. And then the next couple shared, they said, well, we lost our seven-year-old son to cancer a year ago. And, you know, imagine what that was like for them to share that. And then the next person shared, who was right next to my wife said, you know what? I, I lost my mother in a tragic car accident. She was hit uh, and, and died and uh, by somebody that ran a red light. And it was, it was, the other person's fault. And I was really mad at that other person for a long time. And then my, my wife, I knew my wife's story, but nobody else did. She, she couldn't believe it because she, she lost her father in a tragic car accident. And she's been holding on to this anger towards the person that came across the yellow line and hit her dad and killed him. And, you know, all like God placed all of us in that group so that she could have healing. And like the odds of all of us having or having a tragic story to share with one another, it wasn't by accident mm-hmm. and God orchestrated all that. So it's just, you can be in an environment, uh, God, um, you know, just tends to do that. And you'll, you'll, you know, for those that are listening and wondering about Alpha, it's a very safe place. You can go and there's lots of people with differing opinions, people that believe people that don't believe in mm-hmm. all, all different points in the journey. And, and it's done in such a way that, the, the content is outstanding. Uh, you get to ask all the, the big questions in life. And yeah, I highly encourage people to give it a shot and, and just try it for three weeks. It's, it's typically once a week on, a, on an evening. Give your, commit to going to three, three weeks. 
And, and after three weeks, it, it, I promise that it'll, it'll be a really enjoyable experience. Uh, like anything new and change, like you, you have to go through, but I'd say stick, stick with it with those three weeks and you're, you're going to love it. Uh, so yeah, so check it out. Love that. I love that. It was really fun for me. Not that long ago, my son who plays, uh, played in the Quebec major junior hockey league, uh, now playing university hockey, he invited a bunch of his friends. Uh, and so he had a whole table full, a whole small group filled with hockey players from all over the place. It was really fun for them to have you give the, is there more to life than this talk, right? Because they're, they're, they're behind you in that, that pursuit for excellence in hockey. It was just your, your witness to them is, uh, is so, was so powerful. They just loved your story. They loved your honesty. They loved Alpha themselves, all these hockey players. A lot of them never, you know, either fallen away from the church if they had any experience before or not at all. And they all love the experience, like absolutely loved it. And so thank you for, for your generosity uh, in, in sharing, you know, and growing yourself and, and sharing your talks, uh, inspiring people. It's a ton of fun. Tell us a little bit, you know, you and I have had some opportunities to work. You've inspired me in so many ways. You've helped me grow in the work that I do. And I know you're doing something now that I just think, man, it's such an exciting fit for you. And, you know, this, this podcast itself, I'm always focused on leaders because if leader leaders can have a disproportionately positive impact on their communities, on their churches, on their businesses. And uh, you're working with leaders right now. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So I discovered and a competitive advantage in business and within organizations. About six years ago, there was a, a business owner that I was working with when I was working for a charity that that decided that for the event that we were going to do together to maximize the productivity of the event, to raise as much revenue as we could, we were going to run on an operating system called EOS. And we used one of the one of the EOS tools for that event. And that just exploded our event. We, we, at first I didn't like it because it was so much accountability built into it, uh, but I eventually grew to love it because of the results. And, and it's funny because he shared a similar story. He said, when I first experienced this, I did not like it either. And, and, and then he, and eventually I started asking him questions. So where did this come from? Where did this tool that we're using come from? So he shared a book with me called traction. And I read the book I was an instant believer after reading the book. I thought this is a this is going to change the way as a, in our organization that we're going to to run it. And we applied it. We hired a, a a trainer for it, and he helped us implement this into our our organization at the time. And I just I've been it's been around. I've uh, been using it for six years, and then I've learned of all the other people in our community that are using it. There's eleven thousand around the world. And I've discovered that I have a passion for not only the system, but also for coaching, teaching, facilitating. So it was a natural fit for me to do this. And, uh, and this would work in any organization. It would work in, in a parish or a diocese uh, or, or it's, it's designed for, for entrepreneurs uh, mainly. But it'll work in any organization with, with, with 10 to 250 people is kind of the sweet spot. And I, it's outstanding. It's it's a why I do it is every time I'm working with an organization that that, are, that is using this system, it's a competitive advantage. And for me, I feel like I'm taking this competitive advantage into an organization, 
and they're already humble because they're looking for help yes. and they, they, they want to grow. And so bringing this in, it's like, it's giving them that extra competitive advantage that is going to take them to where they want to go. So they have a, they, they, everywhere they look within the organization, they see people executing on their vision. They, uh, they have a, a clear and compelling vision to where they want to go and they have a healthy and functional cohesive leadership team. And when you can put those three elements together, you, the sky's the limit where you're going to go. And, and so I, I feel like I'm playing on championship teams with every person I work with. And it, I get to learn about their unique organization. We customize it for the unique organization. And I just love that feeling of being on a winning team. And that's what, that's why I do this. It's, I just get so excited for them on the journey that they're on because I know where they're going is going to be amazing. And they're going to achieve their wildest dreams for their organization. And to me, that just, that is just priceless. And I, uh, I, I love to do this work and it's been a lot of fun uh, doing it for, uh, for the last, uh, I've been doing it for six months professionally, but it's been, it's been really good. Yeah. You've been using it a lot longer than that, but as you shifted into that coach trainer role, I'm so excited for you because I know how good you're at it. We have a mutual friend that I connected you with and the impact that you're having on his company is spectacular and they're absolutely loving the work you're doing with them. And so good on you. If somebody wanted to touch base with you on that stuff, maybe just to learn a little bit more, would that be appropriate or what are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. You know, people could get in touch with me on that. Uh, they can reach out to me uh, via via my email. Uh, it's Joe, and this is my personal email. It's Joe, J-O-E, Depenta, D-I-P-E-N-T-A, at iCloud.com. They can reach me there. Um, and I'd love to have a conversation with anyone that, that is looking to to take their business to the next level. If they feel frustrated that their vision isn't, isn't coming into fruition, uh, if, if they feel like they're stuck and they can't break through and they've tried a bunch of different things that aren't working. And if they're just not satisfied with, with, with their business, if there's a discontent there, that's, that's a great starting point because this, this will really help them. I love that. I love that. So faith or business breakthrough, either way, we got you covered. It's been so much fun having this conversation with you, Joe. I look forward to getting home and uh, being COVID. I think we're thinking in September, Nova Scotia is going to be dropping restrictions because we have 75% people are going to be immunized. That's herd immunity status. And we're hoping we can get together and have a ball again, eh? Yeah, that sounds like fun. <laughs> God bless you, brother. Thanks, Rob. Whether you're an inspiring athlete, businessman, or busy chasing another dream, God really is your biggest fan. You're meant to do life with Him. Find yourself an Alpha course wherever you are in the world by going to alpha.org and find one near you. I want to also let those of you know in Bedford, Nova Scotia, that you can meet Joe DePenta Saturday, the 11th of September, at the Chris Bray concert outside in the parish parking lot at St. Ignatius Parish from 1 to 2.30 in the afternoon. He'll be happy to get photos and sign autographs. So parents, bring out your young hockey players and your lawn chairs, and let's have fun as we kick off this ministry season. Remember, my friends, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.